Second Peter chapter 1, and commencing to read at verse number 20. You ask the Lord to speak to your heart this morning. We've been praying much for this meeting, that the Lord will give help, and that the Lord will grow, draw graciously near uh, to every one of us. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 20. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scriptures is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of men, or the will of man, but holy men of God spake, as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. But holy men of God spake, as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Let's just bow together, please, in a moment of prayer. And I want you to pray for me this morning. And pray for yourself. We need God to come and minister to our hearts. Father, we just bow again in thy presence. And Lord, we thank you for the hymns that we have been singing. We thank you, Lord, for the truth that has warmed our heart, even as we have lifted our voice to thee. And Lord, we come before thee in behalf of this meeting this morning. Lord, you know our own heart concerning this gathering. You know the word, Lord. And we pray for that divine power and authority. We pray that the blessed Holy Spirit will come and brood over this gathering. We pray it will take away all the fear of man. We pray it will take away all nerves, Lord, and everything that would seek to hinder. We pray that your word will come to our mind this morning. Oh, God, we cry above all that your Son will be exalted. Lord, I ask for that fresh endowment of power. Lord, I stand before thee as a vessel that is empty, with nothing to offer these dear men and women today. But oh, we pray that he, the blessed Holy Spirit, would come and endue. May your word come with weight, Lord. Oh, Father, this may be the last Lord's Day morning that we ever gather around your word. Oh, may we prepare our hearts to seek thy face like never before. Lord, we ask it in the Savior's precious and worthy name. Amen. Amen. Peter said in those lovely verses that we read together this morning that holy men of old spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And I want to bring you to a man, a holy man, that was moved by God in the Word of God. His name is the name of James. James is the man that was the brother of our Lord. He was brought up in the same home as the Lord Jesus down in Nazareth. He was reared under the care of Mary and Joseph. And you know, James was a skeptic whenever the Lord Jesus went out into his public ministry. It says of his brethren, neither did they believe him. They didn't believe that the Lord Jesus was the Son of God. In fact, there's one instance whenever they said that he's beside himself. He's a madman. This is our brother. And he, he is claiming to be the Son of God. He's the, claiming to be the Messiah. And they, they thought he was mad. But you know, there was one event that changed James for all of his life. And you'll find it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It says, whenever the Lord Jesus had been raised from the dead, that he showed himself to Peter, and then to the twelve, and then to about 500 brethren at once, and then on to James. James. 
And James the skeptic became James the saint. And James the doubter became James the dedicated. And he became a mighty man of God. In fact, Paul describes him as a pillar in the church. It was this James that we're going to hear something about this morning. History tells us that his knees were like the knees of a camel. He was a man that spent hours alone with God every day. He was a holy man. He was a holy man of God. He was a man that was renowned for his wisdom. He was a man that was renowned for his godly character. He was a man that was renowned for his uh, standard and lack of compromise. And he was a holy man of God. But we read in Second Peter of how holy men of God were moved by the Holy Ghost. And friends, that's exactly what we need in our land again, is God the Holy Ghost to move us, to be men and women moved by the Holy Ghost. You see, there is one thing about James. James was a man that was in touch with God. You know, whenever James got saved after the resurrection and the little fledgling church was born, persecution came. Nero was raised to a place of authority and he took the Christians and he fed them to the lions and he burnt them upon the lampposts of Rome. And the believers that were at Jerusalem were scattered throughout the four winds, no longer under the tender care of the apostles. No longer were they able to get advice from James, the mighty man of God. They were scattered because of persecution. But it was then that the Holy Ghost moved James. James, this mighty man that watched the Lord in his home, lived with him, ate with him, played with him, the Holy Spirit began to move him. And James took his pen, and while on his knees, he began to write the first letter of the New Testament. It's the most practical book in your Bible, and it's the most convicting. And I have very little to say today, but I trust with the help of God that this man, James, almost 2,000 years ago, I trust that he will speak to your heart this morning. Because he's been speaking to my heart for, for weeks. James got down and he got his pen. And with, I'm sure, tears coming out of his eyes, this is, what he, this is what he wrote. He said, James, the servant of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings, my brethren, Count it all joy when ye fall into divers temptations, into the trials, into the storms. And you could be in this meeting this morning on a lovely summer Sunday morning, and you're in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the storm, you're in the crucible of affliction. Count it all joy when ye fall into divers temptations. Knowing that the trying of your faith that worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work. That ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. And dear child, this morning as you're in the storm, 
God is trying to mature your spirituality. He's trying to do more with you in the dark, long nights than what he could do on the mountaintops. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally, and abradeth not. I wonder as you sit in this meeting this morning, is that the cry of your heart, Lord, I need wisdom. Lord, I need wisdom to know what to do with my family. I need wisdom, Lord, to know what to do with my finances. I need wisdom, Lord, to know how to rear my children. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally, and he abradeth not. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. Did you ever waver? But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven of the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. For a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. One moment you believe God, the next minute you doubt him. He that cometh to God must believe that he is. And that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. But let him ask in faith. Nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven of the wind and tossed. Verse 12 says, Blessed. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. Blessed is the man or woman that endures the trial, the storm, or the affliction. Maybe it's in your family. Maybe it's with your health. Maybe it's with your work. But blessed. Blessed is the man that endures temptation for when he is tried. He shall receive the crown of life. He shall receive the crown of life which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. You know, James, this man on his knees, he turns now from, this, from the trials of the storm and he turns to the temptation of sin. And I wonder, have you been tempted with sin during the week? Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted whenever he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And I want to ask you, sir, in this meeting this morning, what was it that drew you away from God? What was it that enticed you? But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err. Do not err, my beloved brother. Every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from above and cometh from the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning of his own will beget us. Can you understand that? 
you that are saved in this meeting this morning, it's all because of the will of God. By his own will beget he us through the word of truth that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man, the anger of man, the temper of man, worketh not the righteousness of God. I wonder, have you got a hot temper? I wonder, do you know what it is, sir, whenever your wife does something that you don't like, you just fly off the handle. Well, the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness. The word is dirtiness. Lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. And dear child, in the meeting this morning, this is what James, almost 2,000 years ago, is saying to you and me today. If you're, if you're gripped by lust, if you're gripped by sin, there's one way that you can escape, and that is by the word of God. By the word of God. Receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. I wonder how many hours you spent in the word this week. I wonder how you've been nourishing your soul before God, receiving with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. I say to you today, dear friends, that's why so many of us as believers, that's why so many of us, we live a defeated life. Because we're men and women that are no longer in the Word of God. But be ye doers of the Word and not hearers only. But be ye doers of the Word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Do you know, dear friend, God has burnt this in my heart for this meeting this morning. That there's so many in this house and you've been hearers of the word for years. You've been hearing the truth, the doctrinal truth from Genesis to Revelation and you agree with it. But you don't do it. You don't do it. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. Deluding your own selves. I wonder what God has told you to do from his word. I wonder what area of the word of God that the Lord has really been planting in your heart that you need to obey. Maybe it's baptism. Maybe it's membership. Maybe it's around the Lord's table. Maybe it's getting into the prayer meetings. Maybe it's surrendering your life and tithing and giving a tenth of your money to the Lord. And you've been a hearer of the word, but you're not a doer this morning. And you're deceiving your own self. Be doers of the word. And not hearers only. Deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word. And not a doer. He is like unto a man. That beholdeth his natural face in a glass. He looks into a mirror. And he beholdeth himself. And goeth his way. And straightway forgetteth. What manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty. And continueth therein. Oh, friend, this morning I want to challenge you from James. Are you continuing in this book? 
continuing in there and he being not a forgetful here but a doer of the work this man shall be blessed and you could be in this meeting this morning and you could be hungry for a blessing from God you say to me Stephen I want to go into a greater fellowship with the Lord I want to get to know him I want to spend time with him I want God to be real this man should be blessed in his deeds and if you want a blessing on your life friends unlike anyone else if you want to be a man or woman that chooses by God, if you want to be a man or woman that gets alone and hears the voice of God, be ye doers of the word. And not hearers only. Deceiving your own self. And then James, he goes on. And he says, If any among you seem to be religious, but bridleth not his tongue. If any among you seem to be religious, Maybe there's a young man or woman here and people look up to you and say there's a young man or woman and they're spiritual, they're godly. You could be an elder or a deacon, a pastor. You could be an evangelist. You could be a Sunday school teacher. You could be a worker in the bar and you could lead the music and you seem to be religious. But bridleth not his tongue. The word is controls not his tongue. It deceiveth his own heart. James said, this man's religion is vain. The word is empty. The word is useless before God. And I want to ask you, dear men and women, as I have asked my own heart, are you undoing all your spiritual work by what you say to your wife or to your husband alone? If any among you seem to be religious, unbridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart. This man's religion is vain, worthless. For pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, is to visit the fatherless and the widows and their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Just listen to the word of God this morning. But pure religion and undefiled before the un, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this is to keep himself unspotted from the world. And I say again, dear men and women down here in the river, the hill and the valley, is there those of us this morning and we've been tainted, polluted by the world? Polluted in the things that we see, polluted in the things that we touch. Polluted by the things that we say. Polluted by the places where we go. But pure religion. Real godliness. Before God. And the Father is us. It's to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction. And to keep himself unspotted. From the world. I want to ask you a question. From the heart of God this morning. What do you do with your tongue? What do you do with your tongue? In James chapter 2, in James chapter 2, in verse 10 it says, Whosoever therefore will keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. Verse 14. Verse 14 says this. 
What does it profit, brethren? What does it profit, brethren, no man say he of faith and have not works? Can faith save him? What does it profit, though a man say he hath faith and hath not works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be warm, be filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what does it profit? Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there's one God. Thou doest well. The devils also believe and they tremble. But wilt thou know, vain man, that faith without works is dead? And I want to say to your men and women, it's time that we examine ourselves in the light of the word of God. It's not enough just to say, I believe that Jesus died. It's not just enough to have a profession. It's not just to have enough, a little bit of faith where we go to church and read our Bible. We need a faith that works. Martin Luther said this, I'm saved by faith alone, but the faith that saves is never alone. Could you show God this morning your faith by your works? Oh, friend, don't be saying, I go to church. Don't be saying I read my Bible. Don't be saying I'm a good person or I go to Sunday school. Can you show God your faith by your works? Can I? For faith without works is dead. Being alone. Thou believest that there's one God. Thou doest well. But wilt thou know, vain man, that faith without works is dead? The last verse of that chapter says these lovely words. Even as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. And I tell you, dear men and women today, from the heart of God, from a man that's been before the Lord, Northern Ireland is full of men and women that have faith. But it doesn't work. It doesn't work. You know, if James was asked to some churches today, he would never be asked back. Maybe there's something even in your heart that's presenting this message this morning. And I have said very little. This is just the word of God. This is just the very first letter that was ever written to the church. Faith without works is dead. Faith with no evidence. In the Sermon of the Mount, the Lord Jesus, I'm sure he stood weeping. And he said, ye shall know them by their fruits. For many shall come unto me in that day and say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name cast out devils. And in thy name done many wonderful works. Lord, did we not do it for thee? Then will I profess unto them, I never knew. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. And I wonder, will there be those in this meeting this morning, whenever you get to the pearly gates of heaven, and you've been in the meetings, and you've sang the hymns with luster, and whenever you get there, the Lord will say to you, Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I never knew. I never knew you. Oh, you say to me, Stephen, that couldn't happen. Well, the Lord Jesus said it will. Oh, what a thing to be sincere and be sincerely wrong. To have faith without works is dead. Now, you just examine yourself, just yourself this morning. 
Does your faith work? Does your faith work? Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Make your calling and election sure. And then James went on, and this is what he said in chapter 3. My brethren, be not many masters. Don't be many self-appointed preachers. Be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. You know, dear friend, I'm going to be judged before the Lord by what I preach out of this book. Every preacher that holds this book in their hand will be judged alone with a standard because of what they've preached from this word. And that's why James said, Be not many masters, don't be many teachers, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. Now listen to this. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Listen to this. We put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold, the ships, though they be so great, and are driven of the fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm. Whithersoever the governor listeth, even so the tongue is a little member. And it boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindles, And the tongue is a fire. I want to say to your friend, that member that you have in between behind your teeth can destroy any church. It can destroy another brother as quick as you look at it. It's a world of iniquity. Even so is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature. For every kind of beast and of bird and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. You go to Waterworld over in California and you'll see a big killer whale and they've tamed it. You go to the Colorado River and you'll see that mass of water turns the turbines for America and they've harnessed the power of that water. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. I wonder who you've destroyed with your tongue. I wonder who we have destroyed with our tongue. I wonder what we have done with our tongue during the week. Because James goes on and he says this. Therewith bless we God, even our Father. My, we could stand and say the most beautiful things about the Lord and lift Him high and exalt Him. Therewith bless we God, even our Father. And therewith curse we men which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessings and cursings. Oh, friend, that convicts my heart. And I would suspect every single one of us in this meeting this morning are guilty of blessing God one moment and cursing men the next. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessings and cursings. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Don't do it. 
Don't defile your Christianity by saying something about another brother or sister. Don't grieve the heart of God by saying a word out of, t- out of tune. Don't quench the Spirit of God in your life by telling lies or talking impure words. These things ought not so to be. Oh, friend, this morning, I wonder how many of us live up to James's standard of Christianity. We want revival. We want to see God come. We want to see the Lord move in mighty power. And I tell you, dear friends, this morning, many of you in this meeting, your hearts are maybe even resenting the word of God this morning. This was a man that knew God. This was a man with no compromise in his life. Chapter 4, he says this, From whence cometh wars and fightings among you? I wonder, is there a sister in this meeting this morning and you've got a, you've got a, fr- a fight with some other sister? I wonder, is there a man in this meeting and you wouldn't shake hands with another brother? From whence cometh wars and fightings among you? This was to God's people. This wasn't to the world. This was God's people. From whence cometh wars and fightings among you? Come they not even thence of your own lusts that war in your members? Ah, ye lust and ye have not. Ye would even kill and desire to have, but ye cannot obtain. Ye fight and ye war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss. Young man, you could be in this meeting and you could be asking God to fill you with the Holy Ghost, but the reason you're asking him to do that is that you'll have your name on a big banner. And that men and women will eulogize you as a mighty preacher. I want to tell you, God will not give him, because you're asking amiss that ye may consume it upon your own lusts. Now listen to this, friends. Listen to this word from this man. Listen to this word from James, moved by the Holy Ghost. This is what he says. Ye adulterers and adulteress. I'm glad I didn't write that in my notes this morning. I'm glad I'm just taking another man's sermon this morning. He said to the church, he says, ye are adulterers and adulteresses. You know, there's three types of adultery. There's physical adultery. There's adultery whenever a married man takes the hand of another woman. That's adultery. Sir, if you're going with a woman this morning and she's been married and divorced, God says it's still adultery. Oh, I want to say there's physical adultery in the church today. And no one else may know anything about it, but God knows. He knows the way you look at that other woman that's not your wife. He knows the eyes that wander. He knows the thoughts that go through your mind. Ye adulterers and adulteresses. There's physical adultery. But then there's mental adultery. Jesus said, if a man look upon a woman to lust after, he has committed adultery already with her in her heart. Sir, I want to say this to you this morning. If you look at a woman to lust after her in your heart, Jesus said that you have done it. You've done it. I say, if a man look upon a woman to lust after her in his heart, he has committed adultery already. 
Oh, I want to challenge you this morning, especially you men. Do you sit in this meeting this morning condemned because of what James said? Do you sit in this meeting this morning condemned because there was a man, a holy man of God that was moved by the Holy Ghost? There's physical adultery. There's spirit, there's mental adultery, but then James here is talking about spiritual adultery. He says what you do is you go to church on a Sunday and you worship the Lord. And you sing the hymns and you, you lift them high, but then on a Monday you go back and serve the God of money, the God of pleasure, the God of prosperity. And he says, ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Know ye not that friendship with the world is enmity with God. For whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. I want to ask you a question this morning. And I'm going to sit on the pew and let James preach this. Are you a friend of the world? Are you friend, fond of the money? Are you fond of the pleasures of the world, the prestige, and forget about God, the rest of the world, the rest of the week? Well, James says, you, you and I were adulterers. Know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? For whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Sir, if you're in this meeting this morning and you love money more than God, you're an enemy of God. If you love your work more than you do Jesus Christ, you're an enemy of God. Oh, friends, I'm glad I didn't write that in my notes. This is just James speaking to you now. Do you think that the the Scripture saith in vain, the Spirit that dwelleth in us, lusteth to envy. You know what that means? God is jealous for the love that you have for the world. He wants that love for himself. Do you know the way that football excites you more than God? God's jealous. Do you know whenever you go with your family and friends and you would rather enjoy uh, meeting someone from the world more than just spending time with the Lord? And I know there's a time for all of that. But do you know what I mean this morning? The, the things of the world turn you on far more than God. God is jealous this morning. And over the evangelical fundamental church in Northern Ireland, I want to say God is jealous. He's jealous. Do you think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth envy, but he giveth more grace? Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but he giveth grace unto the humble. Listen to this, friends. Submit yourselves therefore to God. That word is to surrender. And we have heard meeting after meeting here about surrender and yielding your life to the Lord. Oh, but you haven't done it yet. You haven't put the, the family on the altar. You haven't put the work on the altar. We haven't put the money on the altar. Submit yourselves therefore to God. And resist the devil. And he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. And I want to say that one of the translations of that is draw back to God again. There's someone in this meeting, dear friend, and you used to go on with God well. You used to be on fire for God. You used to know the word of God. You used to weep in the prayer meeting, but you're no longer there. You used to be moved over souls that were perishing. You used to spend hours before God, but you don't do it anymore. 
If you've been drawn away of your own lust and enticed, and you've been trying to justify it, but oh, I want to say God is jealous, friends. God is jealous. Draw nigh to God. And he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Oh, I want to ask a question. What have we done with our hands during the week? Use your hand to scroll down your phone. Cleanse your hands. Use your hands to take money without the VAT. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Use your hand to touch the hand of another woman and it's not your wife. You cleanse your hands. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy into heaviness. And then James says this, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Friends, that's what we heard from this pulpit last Sunday morning. We heard a message that burned in our hearts about humility. It's coming to you again. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. What James really means is this, if there's willful sin in your life, be honest before God. Take the low position before him and say, Lord, I've done it, I'm guilty. Lord, I love the world more than I love you. I love the things of the world more than I love your word. Lord, I'm taking a low position before you this morning. I'm lukewarm and I'm cold. I've lost a passion. I've lost a burden. I've lost a vision. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. I'm, I'm nearly finished. In the last chapter, the last few verses says this. Whenever James, he said these lovely words, he said, be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Friends, this is why James said all this, because Jesus Christ is coming back again. And if we're in this meeting this morning and we're willful sin and we're living disobedient lives and we're living apart from God and we're backsliding, there'll be those that will be ashamed that is coming. I don't want to be ashamed that is coming. Whenever the Lord Jesus comes back, I don't want to be ashamed. I want to be in fire for God. And I want you to be like that too. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman, the farmer, he waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and his long patience for it until he received the early and the latter rain. Be also patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. He could come tonight, dear friend. And if you're living in sin, you'll be ashamed that his coming. And if you're in this meeting this morning and you're not saved and the Lord Jesus was to burst the clouds at this very moment, you'd be lost for all of eternity. The coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Grudge not one against another, brethren. You know what that word means? It means don't murmur. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Above all things, my brethren, listen to this now. This is a word for some of you men in this meeting. And I know you may never speak to me again after what I say just now, but I want you to listen to me. Above all, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by the earth, 
neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea and your nay nay. Do you remember that day you stood in, a, in an orange hall with a collarette on one hand and maybe the Bible on the other? And you made an oath to defend country, queen, and country, and God. Well, James 2,000 years ago said, Swear not, neither by heaven, neither by earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea and nay nay. Remember whenever you stood and you're being inaugurated into the black? You remember whenever you were told to mourn the death of jo Jacob or Joseph? And you've taken an oath. And you've swore your allegiance to an organization. And you've sworn allegiance to defend a cause that's crumbling at the feet of men today. I want to tell you, friends, this is what James said. And he was a brother of the Lord, and he ought to know. He said, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea and your nay nay, lest, lest ye fall into condemnation. Oh, you say to me, but Stephen, we've got, an, we've got a Christian organization. Friend, let me tell you this. There's nothing Christian about them if they hate Roman Catholics. There's nothing Christian about them if they would trample over the feet of other men and women. James says, let your yea be yea and your nay nay. Be ye doers of the word. And not hearers only. Deceiving your own selves. Is any among you afflicted? Some of you here this morning and you know all about the trials of life. There's a mother, I see her down at the minute there. She's got a hard time with her family. We pray for her every day. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Did you find the lump during the week? You get the bad results during the week. You're down into the tunnel. An MRI scan, all the rest, and it doesn't come back good. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him or her, anointing them with oil, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. Confess your faults one to another, brother. Confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, all of the inconsistency. And he prayed. He prayed that it might not rain and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth brought forth her fruit. Brethren, brethren, if any of you do err from the truth. Now I want to ask you a question. This is the last two verses. If you set your spirituality and my spirituality beside the spirituality of James, how many of us in this meeting this morning have got New Testament Christianity? How many of us have got the real thing? Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, and one convert him,
Let him know that he which converteth a sinner from the air of his ways, brings back a backslider, shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sin. And James got his pen and he lifted it off the parchment. He was a holy man moved by the Holy Ghost. Now there's some of you in this meeting God has spoken to you. And you do not like what you have heard this morning, but you cannot blame Stephen Riddle. And you cannot blame James because it was the Holy Ghost that moved him to write it. But be ye doers of the word. Whatever God has said to you this morning, you do it. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deluding, deceiving your own self. There's a man in this meeting this morning and I don't know who you are but you've been drawn away from from God by the lusts of the flesh to the pride of life. You love the world more than you love the Lord. You used to love him but you don't love him anymore. Sir, whoever you are in this meeting draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Let us pray. We're just going to still our hearts before the Lord. We're going to examine ourselves in the light of God's word this morning. God's word is a hammer that breaks. It's a sword that pierces. It's a light that reveals. And God has revealed some things to some people in this meeting this morning. But I wonder what you're going to do about it. If you have bitterness in your heart against another brother or sister, you you need to get that right, friends. If you're arrested by lust and envy, you, you need to get that sorted out. If you want the elders of this assembly to pray for you, you let us know and we'll do that. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Father, Lord, if you know our own heart this morning as we stand on this platform, how we've wrestled with thee, Lord, concerning this word, Oh, Father, I pray that you will accomplish that which you want out of what has happened this morning. Oh, God, I pray that every one of us will be lifted into a new place with yourself. Lord, we want to be real. Lord, we want what James wanted us to have. We want to obey the speaking voice of the Spirit of God. May we be doers of the word and not hearers only. For he that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. O Father, we ask for your help. We ask it in Jesus' name.